There are shows in this world that we will never fully understand, understand, except Ghost Adventures. We have watched every episode to build our obsession, our fandom, watching alongside each other because no one we know really gives a damn, gives a damn. Watching Zack and crew catch groundbreaking proof of the paranormal, inspiring us to explore our own interest in otherworldly phenomena. This is our podcast. We are Paranormal Kuntas. your neck moving (laughs) that's hilarious i was moving it quite vigorously i think yeah i think i recorded it (laughs) it's actually hilarious hey hey, hey, everybody it's me leah and it's me bethany and we're the paranormal putas (laughs) we are so excited to be here with you on this lovely day i don't know evening day whenever the fuck you're listening (laughs) We're glad to be here we're with you. We're glad to be here. We're hanging out. Yeah. And we're back with Frank. Yes. So this is the part uh, two of Frank, but three of the live session. <laughs> so however you want to think about it. Um, <laughs> in this episode, we kind of, we try our best to wrap up our conversation about occultism. And, and it was just a damn good time as always being in that space. I love it so much. I want my house to look like that one day. Um, and they're just, uh, you know, Frank's a, a good time. Oh no, I totally agree. And it's, I like how you said we, we try to wrap up our conversation cause we really can, uh, probably talk to Frank every day and learn something new and different and exciting. Um, and we hope that's what you guys take away, uh, from these episodes as well. Uh, and of course, if you're ever in Austin or if you're from Austin already in Austin, uh, definitely check these guys out. Um, he, I'm sure he would be happy to sit down with you, talk mm-hmm. with you, uh, and have a good uh, conversation oh yeah definitely oh yeah so uh enjoy part two of frank part three of live sessions (laughs) (laughs) hey 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 everybody it's me leah and it's me bethany and we're the paranormal putas (laughs) and we are very excited to be back yes where are we baby sis we are at curia arcanum with the owner of the shop frank what's up frank Hello. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having us back. Frank part two. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> thanks, as I said earlier, thanks for having us back, Frank. <laughs> it is and, an honor. And Thank letting you. us be in your beautiful space. Yes. We love it here, seriously. And I get to sit by Sarah's mirror again. Yes, <laughs> yes, you do. She's watching you. Yes, yes. I hope we can entertain you today, Sarah. Um, <laughs> So last time we were talking, we were talking about occultism Mm -hmm. and you kind of just kind of skimmed the surface of like a general idea of it. And I guess um, I I do want to jump back into it and I want to ask you, um, I guess, how do you think occultism ties into spirituality and how it differs from mainstream religions? Man, that's that's a really good question. you know, first of all, I'm probably going to continue to pronounce things wrong, so give me give me patience with you, that. You are uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, but on on top of that, I think you know, just to clear up one 
one point that I made that, you know, when it comes to a, a subject as vast as, as occultism, you know, there's so many different ways to view it, approach it and think of it and, and so many interpretations of even what it is, uh, right? And one of the points I kind of strongly made there at the end was, you know, look, there, there's nothing inherently nefarious or evil or, or bad intent behind it. I, but I guess just to clarify, you know, it's like any other practice or, or technique or, or anything in regard to spiritual or metaphysical practice, you know, the, they in and of themselves are just tools, right? And it's the intent of the practitioner, you know, very much so, overriding more than anything else as far as what is done with it. Right. So, you know, to say, you know, it's inherently good or bad or all of that is, again, highly subjective because, again, it goes back to the intention of the practitioner, the person who's doing it. Um, and now the reason why, um, you know, I ended up making that statement really goes back to the more historical precedent, you know, of how it started and, and its origins and really the evolutionary process that even brought it into being, uh, which really ties back into what you were asking. So what is it? What is its relationship to, to spirituality and religion and, and all of those things? I would say that it's very, very uh, much intertwined. Uh, but when you get into any kind of spiritual practice, that once it becomes dogmatic and formulaic and all of those things, and a lot of the time we'll refer to that as religion, uh, right? You almost have, you know, what is presented to, for lack of, for what often is referred to at times as the profane, right? You know, the, the, the common people that would, would just kind of peruse and, and come across it. Um, and, but then you have the mystical practices, and that is kind of the stuff that's over here that maybe isn't spoken openly of uh, quite so much. Uh, and, and that's a bit more the realm that the occult kind of lived in. And if you look at the historic precedent, especially when you start looking at, you know, a lot of the uh, older grimoires, you know, the ones that were written during uh, the medieval and Renaissance eras, um, you know, a lot of these were perpetuated by you know, people who were in monasteries and the abbots and, and, and things like that, they were out there, they were collecting, you know, the, these grimoires and having these massive libraries of them. Um, you know, and in part, the relationship um, between the, the occult and, you know, the, the church at the time uh, was a really interesting one. Um, because again, like I said, you had you know, the, the abbots and the monks and the, the monasteries, you know, uh, collecting and, and even authoring, you know, their own or, or transcribing many of them themselves. Um, but you also had all of these other facets, you know, to it. Um, for example, you know, the, the exorcist, you know, the official exorcist, oh, yeah. you know, of the, of the church. Uh, now, keep in mind, during this period of time, they were not considered like high-class clergy. They, they were actually kind of the bottom of the barrel in, in a lot of ways. They were not considered like the highbrow people. Uh, but you had an interesting uh, periods of time. And 
Now, again, I, I want to put this into a historical context. So during this period of time, depending on the region in Europe you were and in the time period, depended on how much criticism and direct antagonism there was towards a lot of this stuff, you know, whether, you know, by the populace or by, you know, the church proper and the Inquisition coming in and, oh, yeah. and all of that. Uh, and we can get to that, too, because that, <laughs> that gets into some crazy stories. But, but during this period of time, you had the authors of the grimoires and, and the authors who were coming up with exorcism techniques, almost trading notes. You know, they're like, ooh, okay, let's, you know, you're, you you just came out with a more powerful exorcism. Let me add that to my surgical practice. So cool. Oh, you just came out with this grimoire of, you know, how to, you know, call upon all of the, you know, celestial beings and everything to, you know, smite the demons and everything. I'm, I'm going to, you know, incorporate that. So you, you almost had this you know, a uh, parallel evolution going on between these these practices, which was really fascinating. So it's no wonder that when you start looking at these uh, grimoires during that period of time, and especially the ones that deal with uh, celestials, and by celestials we're talking about the either the planetary intelligences or, again, depending on, you know, the author and how they were looking at it, it's either that or the angelic choirs or specific angels associated, but, but the general associations, you know, the, the correspondence and the general meanings were, were all pretty much the same. But in, in all these grimoires and these preparatory steps, you'll see sections that are called exorcisms, mm -hmm. right? Now, today, we more commonly would think of them as like cleansings or banishings and, and things like that. But during that period of time, they straight up just said these, you know, exorcisms that you're doing, you know, whether it's, you know, for for the the space, the incense, the other tools, you know, you're, you know, and the idea was, you know, you're you're basically cleansing them. You're you're removing any any unwanted uh influence, intention and otherwise uh influence. Yeah. So, <laughs> um but so um it, and again, here it really depends on the particular avenue's way of thinking um, as far as how tightly this is connected to a process of enlightenment or coming into a, a gnosis with divinity or, or whatever, um, because you had a few different schools of thought. You know, you'd of course have the people that were like, well, yeah, I'm calling upon these things for love and luck and money and fame and all of these things. But by and large, the purpose for these practices was something a little bit more substantial. You know, it, it was something a little bit more akin to coming to a knowledge of, coming to a communion with. You know, as opposed to just, well, give me good stuff. Like there's a cosmic Ed McMahon up there just showering me with gifts now because <laughs> I've said the right incantation and, and all of that. Um, but it was more, more about an understanding that through this process, one would gain an understanding that superseded strictly the rational intellectual understanding into something that was more in the realm of the intuitive understanding of something and much more akin to the experience that we have when we experience a work of art that moves us, you know, and when we experience 
a song or, you know, we were talking about this a little bit the last time. When we experience these things, these are experiences that if we try to convey it to somebody else, we almost have to communicate it in the abstract because there's no way to explain, you know, what, what these things are, um, which of course goes in line with this idea that the ultimate divinity is ineffable, mm-hmm. you know, and so to that regard, any interpretation or any representation that we make is nothing more than that. You know, it's just interpretation or representation. And the moment that we put pen to paper or paint to canvas or any of those things, we've, while it is an honest expression, we've missed the mark on the truth of it because the truth is something that requires that that direct experience that uh, of the ineffable. Um, but what these things do is is almost point away. You know, it, it's like, hey, look look over here. You know, um, and this process of and especially when you get into thirgy you know, the ritual magic, the high magic mm-hmm. uh, that you have. Um, you know, if you think about what that is, it really is a ritualistic play in which you become, you know, the main, you know, person. You immerse yourself into it. You create this space that you immerse yourself into for this purpose of, you know, again, a, a form of gnosis or, or uh, you know, is, is, is put, you know, in other uh, lineages, reintegration, you know, or, or any of these other ways of explaining it. Um, but again, the idea is to come into that closer uh, communion. So, you know, when looking at what is the ultimate goal of some of these practices, as well as, you know, what is the ultimate goal of really any spiritual tradition or religion, we're looking at one and the same. And they're just different approaches of looking at it, you know, because you're looking at moving closer to that ineffable source, which is recognized as the generating source of everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, in in the process of doing so, coming to a better understanding not of oneself, life, one's role and relationship with it, and just getting a broader feel for for what that is, you know, and that's that's really at the basis of what all those things are. It, but. What's even more interesting is that it calls to something that I think is profoundly fundamental to being human. And even if we can't put it into words, there's there's a draw, there's there's a desire, there's, you know, to to become, you know, in, in whatever that is, right? And and become more than what we are today, become more tomorrow. Um, and, and that constant quest to, to draw and discover and, and realize all of that. So, um, yeah, the, the ultimate goal is always the same. It's how to get there. And, and that's where, you know, again, I, I have to fall back to the analogy of art, right? You know, because in art, and, and again, we, we touched on this last time, you have all these different genres of painting and music and theater and dance and everything else. And it's more about finding the one that resonates with you, finding the one that speaks to you and speaks that part of you that isn't used to being spoken to. You know, that, that part of you that thinks like, oh, nobody sees this part. You know, nobody else gets this. You know, nobody else gets this part of me. You know, this is that part of me that's like way down deep that I, you know, keep very secure and very guarded and everything. And yeah. and then one day you hear that song and it's like, 
oh shit, they found me out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know and, and it's kind of like that, yeah. you know, when, when talking about all the different things. So it's not like there's one that's right and one that's wrong and, and anything else or, or even an interpretation of and, and execution of, you know, that practice or that idea. It's not even like there's a wrong and in, in right in that. It, it's about what was honest, what was true, what resonated from that point that you thought, you know, was so well-guarded and nobody knew and, you know, all of that. But that's where it comes from, you know, and if it resonates at that point and extends from that point, then you're doing it right. Yeah. So. I think we've talked, we talked about this the first time that, that we met is that uh, one of the reasons why I struggled with like finding some kind of ritual or something to try to access that higher self or being whatever, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But Bob, um, whatever name yeah. you want, <laughs> whatever no. you want to, yeah. for lack of better understanding. Um, Sorry, I dropped the church of the subgenius reference there. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I I feel like uh, I fail when it comes to having to comply to s- specific rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to do this thing on a certain day and face a certain <laughs> way, and like you know what I mean. Oh yeah. And it's like uh, I, I think it's really cool, and I understand a lot of like why you would do things that way. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's always a reason to it. You know, facing north yeah. for certain things, or like you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or like closing and opening a ceremony. But for me, that was always a lot harder to connect with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I was definitely more of like a chaotic type. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, chaos magic does have its, its freedoms for sure, right? Um, but yeah, what you're getting into is definitely, you know, you, you get into these multiple layers of complexity. You know, um, for example, in, in, you know, celestial angelic magic, you know, you, you have the different angels associated with the different days. And then, of course, within the different days, you have the, the hours and every hour being associated with the different angels. So depending on what the day, the angel day and the hour is dependent upon <laughs> what angel you'd use. And actually, most time, it's usually bad. You know, when do you actually start those hours? Well, that's dependent on the grimoire. But most of the time, it's dawn of that day. And so, you know, and then, of course, most of the time you want to be facing east because that's the direction of the rising. Anyway, so, yes, you, you've got... I, I, I mean, you you can get you know down the rabbit hole of of complexity for sure, um, you know. But I, I think you know when you start to get into to that layer, you know, to to that that level. Now, even then, there's nothing wrong with that because what you're doing um, in the process of doing that is like almost like learning any any art. Right. Mm-hmm. Like um, when you're learning how to play an instrument, you know, the first thing that you learn is the scales, mm-hmm. right. you know, and you're learning the notes and how do you play the notes on the instrument? These are the scales and you're looking at the sheet music and OK, we can do this. And it's very similar to that. You know, you've got the different, you know, celestials or angels. You've got the days of the week. You've got the hours within then. OK, so here you're starting to chart that. And then what's your intent and what are you trying to do? So, of course, you want to do that on a Tuesday at 9 a.m. And mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so. You know, or within the, you know, third hour or whatever. Just like learning music and playing an instrument, at first it's clunky, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's disassociative. It takes you out of the activity because you're so focused 
on the technicality of it, right? And it's that way for, you know, any art, whether it's painting, you know, again, the first things you're learning, you know, how do you, you know, hold a brush? How do you mix colors? What's some basic color theory? You know, things like that. Um, But after a while, you start to understand these rules in a way that you no longer even have to think of it because you've applied those rules so that you almost have this eureka moment of, oh, that's why they do it that way, mm-hmm. you know? And and mm-hmm. so then you can, you know, kind of be a little bit more freeform, you mm-hmm. know, with it. Plus, once you reach that point, you always know, okay, here's the rules I can break. <laughs> here's here's where, where the wiggle room is and where I can start inventing my own. Now, one of the wonderful things is these, uh, many of these grimoires do lay out very precise methodologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, um, you know, the people that picked them up, they put their own spins on it, mm-hmm. you know, constantly, you know, and you can see this in the various uh, revisions over the years and, you know, renditions from other people putting their own spins on it uh, and even, you know, cross-referencing it with other practices, other ideologies and things like that. And then you can, you know, start to see uh, some really crazy proliferations going on. Um, yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, I like that earlier you mentioned um, kind of the goal being something more substantial than just like shower me with riches, gods. The the cosmic Ed McMahon has arrived. Where's my check? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, one of my my first magic books, uh, my mom got me when I was 13. And um, over the years, I read it a million times and understood it a little bit more each time because mm-hmm. at first I was like what the hell's right. going on here yeah. but um, I just feel like one of the greatest takeaways I've taken from any kind of like occultism or magic form is to look inward mm-hmm. and to understand how I interact with people in the world like I become mm-hmm. I became self aware when I started doing that stuff and I think that a lot of people need that (laughs) (laughs) well that's you know that's a fundamental idea that you find in just about everything Um, you know whether it's in occultism or Taoism or you know any other belief is is that idea of looking inward Um, and and now the question becomes so how do you do that without becoming self-obsessed Right. Um, You know, so and and that goes back to why are you looking inward in the first place? What are you looking for? You know, why are you doing that? Um, And a lot of that goes into, you know, there are a few different ways to approach this. And well, let's go with hermeticism. Hermeticism is good. Good place to start uh, since we are talking about the occult. Um, So, of course, within hermeticism is that idea as above, so below and and all of that. And so you almost get this fractal idea of the universe, Um, you know, where each layer level of reality, if you will, you know, is is just a a further reflection of and manifestation of, you know, the the previous, if you will. Um, And in this and, you know, I'm just going to put it in my own words. you know, is this idea that um, the divine writes itself into everything, right? So, you know, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, layers that are a little bit more etheric, or if you're talking about layers that are a little bit more manifested, or if you're talking about even going within here, you know, so in a sense, we carry that same blueprint, you know, within all of us. 
right? And uh, we see that idea, again, being echoed time and time again throughout history. Even, um, you know, this idea, uh, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole because that'll take a while. Um, but yeah, let me just stop there because I, that opens up a whole nother door. Um, but yeah, it, it's that idea that so, so you know, I, I and again, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, in the Tao Te Ching is, is a line about knowing the world without ever having left your house. You know, in in my interpretation, and, and I almost always have to, you know, when it comes to Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching, I almost always go, look, this is my interpretation of it. Because uh, there's, it, again, you were talking about these books that over the years, every time you read it, you get something more out of it. And that's one of them. You know, a yeah. book you can read a lifetime, and every time it's something a little different. Um, but one way of looking at that uh, is exactly that idea of, you know, everything that is without is also within, you know, and so by drawing deeply, you know, into oneself, coming to that deeper understanding, you know, because what you find in there. Now, um, of course, there are many ways to do that, you know, um, in, in one effective way of doing that is uh, by keeping track of dreams, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because what are dreams other than you know, the unconscious interpretations of experience and events. And, man, you want to talk about self-realization. Um, you know, that's all that content is. You know, of course, um, you know, all the things that appear in dreams are purely allegorical. So if, you know, you know, Uncle, you know, Fester or whoever shows up in your dream, you know, odds are, it is nothing to do with Uncle Fed. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Fed just represents whatever this idea, right. you know, yes. motif, you know, is that that's going on here. Um, so, so yes, it's it's all becomes a reflection then then of you. And here we go, you know, into these multiple layers of reflection again. So you know, the dream becomes just a reflection. You know, your unconscious has bringing back to you um the trick is understanding the language mm-hmm. and, yes. and that's where where uh you know it, it it gets a little tricky and sometimes might seem completely nonsensical you know but uh that's where something like keeping a dream journal becomes very very handy yeah. you know you you start doing that and man just keep paper and pen right next to your bed so the moment you get up like don't get up you know and do you know start your day like as you're barely even coming to conscious, yeah. you know, just just jot it down because you're still kind of tied in at that point. So yeah. you still remember more. The, the longer you're awake, of course, the more you're going to forget. So yes. you want to get as much out as possible. And then over a period of time, you can start to see certain patterns, certain emotional connections that you have to certain things that are occurring within your dreams, certain things that recur within your dreams. And then you start to understand what these underlying representations are really meaning and saying to you. And that's where a whole process of of self-realization and opportunity uh, for that is available. Yeah. Um, When I first started reading um, tarot books and getting into it and like trying to you know, start learning uh, how to read cards. Um, one thing that one of the um, 
the author said in her book was that um, tarot is not going to tell you something you don't already know. It's a <laughs> reflection of the self. It's almost like a mirror. And so I want to know your take on, um, I guess, divination in the occult and, and card reading and all that, because you have your own card deck, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man, there's two questions. So um, <laughs> so let me let me start off with that. And, and this goes into kind of my own theory on divination. Mm-hmm. And and I guess I should start first with, oh man, how much time do we have? <laughs> we have about eh, 35 minutes left. Okay, I have to keep this quick. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but in, in a nutshell, um, I, I often refer to divination as an art of synchronicity, right? And I, I don't remember if we went down the synchronicity rabbit hole last time. I don't time. remember. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, so synchronicity and and the the technical definition of synchronicity is meaningful coincidence, right? So even by, by the technical definition, you're already looking at the nature of it being participatory. This isn't something that's just happening to you, right? This is an activity that you are engaged with, right? So when something happens, you become participant in the sense that you give it meaning. You give it the, the substance. Now, that doesn't mean that that event that may be completely random and rare and statistically highly improbable didn't happen. It just means that the context and meaning that you gave it, that was your participation in it. Um, so... When we look at divination, tarot, cardamancy, I Ching, all of these things, you know, what these systems are is almost a cosmology. You know, they're, they're creating a cosmology and, you know, in, in tarot, for example, you know, you have almost stages of being or becoming. Um, you know, very similar in, in I Ching, you know, you have the different situational things that you could find yourself in, and I'm being very, very generic, you know, in these <laughs> explanations. Um, you know, and very similar in in this version of cardamancy, you know, or the ebb and flow of events and, and how they take place. And so what you're doing in, in divining is you're taking these random parts, you know, of potential experience and laying them out. You know, and so, in a sense, as as you're doing that, the entire process starts the moment both people, the the person with the question, the person doing the interpretation, sit down. You know, and it is a ritual act in and of itself. You you have begun a ritual at that point. If 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 you're engaged I, in it. Uh, I, I should preface it with that. I mean, of course, you're going to get people, well, um, you know, that, that are there wanting yeah. to, you know, well, Prove well you show wrong me, or, show yeah. me what you got. Man. Yeah, you know, but but for the most part, if you know you have people who are who are honestly engaged, then yes, you you've got a ritual going on there. Um, you know, so you know, for for me, the process I like to go through is, you know, when the, the person first sits down, you know, and exchanging pleasantries and everything, you know, I'll be shuffling the deck. And, and for me, that's kind of a way of clearing it out, zeroing it out, removing anything that I have attached to it and just kind of letting it reset. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and when I'm there, you know, I give a very quick explanation. Hey, you know, I'm going to hand you the deck of cards. When I do, you know, as you're shuffling, you know, think of an area of your life that you'd like the question to be about. Whenever it feels right to you, just hand them back. And the really interesting thing is I've never had to explain what I meant by when it feels right. It's almost like something we instinctively understand. Like, yeah, that, that feels right. I, I know what that means. Yeah. But, but you know, and, and so in this process for them taking the cards, them shuffling them, they're becoming engaged. You know, it's kind of like the, the focus. They're thinking of the question as they're shuffling the cards. They're already making that one-to-one association, right? Um, and then handing them back and then laying out the spread, you know, again, you know, on just a surface level, it's just random, right? But, you know, anyone who's done divination, you know, has seen time and time again, it's like there were no other cards that would have conveyed that, you know, better than, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that they chose. Mm-hmm. But here's where, where the next level of participation comes in. So as, you know, you're going through, you're flipping over the cards, and as you're doing, you're basically giving an outline of their experience. And as you're doing so, they are then, of course, remembering their own, you know, specifics and nuances and, and everything that they've been through. So, you know, you, you have, again, that engagement uh, going on. Um, so, again, meaningful coincidence. If you look at it just at its physical, bare-bones base level, um, you know, it's a bunch of cards being chosen at random. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is where it gets interesting. And this is where the, the synchronicity aspect, yes, because, yes. you know, but but the truth is, you know, it goes a little bit deeper. Now, for for myself, the whole reason I started this was because I was I was fascinated with the idea of synchronicity. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see, you know, when it came to things like tarot, was it all in your head? Or was there really something to it? You know, was there something a little bit more like ethereal or, or, or whatever to it? Um, and, and for me, I, I realized that one of the big problems was my own assumption about potential answers to that question. Because in, in truth, after, you know, quite a long period of time working with it, I realized that it's neither. It's, it's really not one or the other. It's both. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it is all in your head. And yeah, there's a little bit more, you know, to it as well. So it's a little column A, a little column B. Um, you know, and I really like um, the way that uh, there, there's a phrase that uh, Lon Milo Duquette for, for one of his books has. Um, it, it, and, and I'm paraphrasing. I apologize if I'm getting it wrong. But it's basically, uh, it's all in your head. You just have no idea how big that is. Oh, I like <laughs> that. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, and... And, you know, that really kind of sums up that spirit of like, yeah, that that kind of sums it up. You know, yeah, yeah, it's all in your head. You just you're selling yourself short. short man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there's just a lot more to that. That's yeah. cool. It kind of reminds me of Harry Potter when he's like, is this in my head? He's like, yeah, it is. Doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Because it, it becomes uh, experience. Right? Yeah, right. You know, and, you know, it kind of takes back to the idea of dreams. Right. And and 
how profound and, and effective. I mean, we've all had those dreams where we wake up the next morning and, you know, we're still like for a few hours sometimes even heavily impacted by it. And yes. there's that, yeah. that glow or even sometimes, you know, dark cloud that kind of, <laughs> you know, follows for the rest of the day, right? Um, or if you have a dream, you know, about your significant other where they, you know, did something you're upset with, you know, you wake up and you're like, yeah, that, that <laughs> so-and-so, you know, so, so, you know, it, it was an experience, you know, it, it, now, now you can't get mad at somebody for what happened in your dream, you know? I mean, oh, yes, you can. Well, yeah, yeah. well, you can, but that'll, mm, that's, that's a whole nother. It doesn't go over too well. well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's that, that impactfulness yeah. uh, that really plays in. So tell us about your card deck. You mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I see it here. You have one. And then you also said that this is how the store began, right? Is that right? And, or in a large like way, yeah. yeah. Um, so to go over very, very quickly uh, the origin of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, about 15 years ago, uh, there was a, a small group of other friends. You know, we just all had our own different interests in magic and mysticism and spirituality and the occult and all those things. And we just, you know, it, it was very organic. We just kind of got together and, oh, have you read this? Oh, you should read that. And, you know, exchange those. And then, you know, we would all get together and, you know, join different magical orders or, you know, even go just check out different things, you know, go to Theosophical Society meetings or go to a Gnostic Mass over at the OTO Lodge or, <laughs> or something like that. That's awesome. And, and that's where the, the term Cure Arcanum was coined, you know, and uh, it was still very much, you know, in those those early days, we're like, you know, maybe we, we should call ourselves something, you know, we, <laughs> we should have a name. And, um, you know, and it comes from two words, Curia being a Latin word first used in ancient Rome uh, and during that time, its first original meaning uh, was to denote your non-blood family. You know, it was like, hey, we're we're this group, and yes, we're not of blood, but but we're we're family. We're a curia. Um, now, of course, uh, today the most common meaning, you know, is uh, associated with you know the Roman Catholic Church and and all of that. But it also has a very general and generic meaning, uh, which is just really any council coming together to discuss whatever the topic at hand is. You know, as over the ages, as, you know, the term was used, you know, it would either be, you know, different towns, fellowships, villages, you know, coming, you know, having their leaders coming together and discussing, you know, whatever political topics or trade or, or whatever, you know, uh, was going on. But, but we decided it was kind of a cool word uh, just to use. Uh, for that, meaning like council or, or yeah. getting together, and then Ar Arcanum being mysteries or secrets, and then of course you put them both together and you have, you have the council of secrets or the <laughs> yeah. council of mysteries. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, that's how that started. And during that period of time, each one of us kind of had a pet project, you know, we were working on. And for me, originally, I wanted to design a tarot deck, um, but I had studied tarot for years. I had gone through... Uh, you know, builders of the Adidum, uh, Paul Foster Cases, Magical Order, that has basically the tarot is kind of the backbone of learning, you know, everything else, you know, Kabbalah, alchemy, hermeticism. Um, and so every time I sat down to start to illustrate, you know, a card, I found, you know, I'm just rehashing the same archetype, the same symbology, you know, that you find in every single other one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started to kind of 
think about what other decks there were, and uh, Cardamancy was perfect, uh, because for one, it's just based on regular playing cards, so there's no pictorial language. Perfect. Um, I could have absolute freedom to go and, and do my own thing and not feel like I was deviating or being heretical, you know, against yeah. something. Um, but but also, uh, it was only 32 cards. Yeah. In, in the French method, anyway. Um <laughs> And the French method of doing it was only 32 cards, so I was like, perfect, less to draw. So, um, But it also kind of lined up numerically and, and everything else otherwise that for me, you know, to create a, a very cohesive system uh, around it. Um, so I ended up doing that, and, and then, of course, um, that group ended up disbanding. You know, no, no big hardships or anything. Everybody just moved different places. Yeah. Um, and after that, I started doing a lot of readings and, uh, you know, clubs, markets, fairs, things like that. And then over time, you know, the shop just kind of slowly built around it. Um, yeah. That's awesome. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I realized I was getting kind of long-winded. No, you're fine. You're fine. This is what we're here for. So when we first opened up a brick and mortar, um, you know, we... We had a million things going on. We're doing events and we're doing all these things. That was actually the very first rule we adopted. The show must <laughs> go on. Yeah. Like, no matter what else is happening. Mm-hmm. Kill me, mm-hmm. man. We got a goal here. We got a goal. We got to get things going. Uh, so, Frank, I think we talked about in um, our email last time mm-hmm. uh, when I reached out to see if you would be willing to do a reading on one of us. Awesome. If you're, if you're down still, if that's okay. Absolutely. Do we have time? Time? Yeah, we okay, yeah, yeah, we've got good, some good. time. Oh yeah, that's incredible. reading done. I feel like that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a first for me. It's always like, ooh, Anna, do you want to no. know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we still have one card left. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> game over, Come bro. On, Frank. <laughs> Come on, Frank. Let's end on a good note. Do, do we just do the mic drop now <laughs> and not even like worry about the rest? No, no. give it to us straight. Um, yeah. All right. Hold on, I'm gonna take a quick peek. First. <laughs> oh this man! Is no, no, this isn't bad. This, this isn't, isn't bad. bad. It's not bad. No, no. So, what this last card is, I like to think of it as the advice card. This is the reading's way of telling you, okay, nothing set in stone. As you proceed, this is something to be aware of. This is something to keep in mind as you're going through the events that are unfolding. As you're going to the towards the future. This is something to keep in the back of your mind. So what you got for that is is the Queen of Diamonds. And the Queen of Diamonds in this context is, well, for a simple way of putting it, the mental traffic cop. You know, the the Queen of Diamonds is, is that little voice in your ear that when you get super excited about a new thing, you're like, oh my God, this is now this is gonna be my life. This is gonna be something I'm imagining. Like, oh yes. And the Queen of Diamonds is that voice in your head that goes, whoa, hey, remember all that other shit you have going on right now? <laughs> yeah, how are you gonna make this work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the role of the Queen of Diamonds. And the Queen of Diamonds, like I said, showing up here in the advice card is is basically saying that, like as as you're proceeding, as you're moving forward, you know, keep in mind all the irons that you have in fires, you know, all the things that you have going on. And as you're moving towards this point, like try to get them all 
on that same trajectory, try to get them all going in that same direction. Uh, because when you do that and you have all the aspects of your life moving in that same direction, that's when yeah. that kind of thing happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's when those amazing when the good things shit happen. The good oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, I like uh, it. But yes, keep things in balance. Keep in mind don't don't get distracted, you know, and and you know, stay the course. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I again, I cannot say you know, you got an amazing reading. You, you got you, you you could not have asked for a better outcome. So this is amazing. I I am envious of the journey you are on. It looks like you have some amazing things coming up. So thank awesome. you. Heck yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's a first. It's not doom and gloom, eh, baby sis? I don't know. I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's awesome. And that's a beautiful card, too. This, oh, the you. art is amazing. This is so oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm going to take a little pick of that. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we have just about a few minutes left awesome. to close out. Oh, my God. I, I actually, like, reined myself in yeah, pretty well. Yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. You were right on time, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried. I, I tried. want to thank you so much for this reading. That was awesome. That was awesome. And, and it's just such a cool and original experience that it's your deck of cards. You know, if anybody's going to read me on some cards, like, what better what than someone who exactly. created and understands the cards on a deeper level, you know? Thank you. So thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, we have just a few minutes left, so why don't you remind the people where to come find you? Yeah. Uh, so we are Curio Arcanum's House of Curiosities, 5924 South Congress, unit number 23. We are in building number two. So if you pull up and think, why am I driving into a condo complex when I'm looking for a Mystic <laughs> Curio shop? You are in the right place. Uh, yes, we are in a building that uh, the outside is very drab and gray because we have an HOA and I can't really do anything about it. But <laughs> once you get inside, it is very, very different. Uh, and... Yeah, if I am working behind the counter, I will usually give you a quick spiel if it is your first time here. Now, this quick spiel, I've gotten down to 23 seconds. Dang. I am always trying to improve my time. Actually, we do we have it. enough yes. time? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Okay, let's I'm go. Gonna, <laughs> I think last time it. it was 30 seconds when we were here, oh, right? It, it was like 31 seconds I thought or you something. did it when we first came. Yeah, yeah, yeah I probably you did. did. You did do it. And did. we tried to time it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm... I'm I'm going to time myself right now. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go. Man, it is. Now, for the listeners out there, keep in mind, we're in Austin, Texas, where it's been over 100 degrees for weeks now. So oh, we're all feeling the little bit of a lethargic. It's hot. It's all of those things. Moving a little bit slower, but I'm going to see if I can overcome that. We believe in you. <laughs> I'm probably not going to beat it, but I better move away from the microphone because I'll probably be way too loud. Here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome to Akira, where we are two floors down. Here's the lobby where we have novelties, antiques, t-shirts, and more. But upstairs is where it really opens up. The wet specimens, taxidermy, tons of books, tons of incense, a gallery full of things we don't want to get rid of, and a million other things that we do. Now, there are a few lock cabinets, but if you want to see anything inside, don't hesitate to ask. All you take some a moment to open them up. You're free to take all the photos that you like. The only thing we ask is if you post them on social media, just like us in it. And lastly, if you have questions, I have very long-winded explanation, so let that stop you from asking. Let me know if you need anything and have fun. 24.39. Oh, oh, wow. oh. 
getting there. You're getting there. That was good. That was good. That was Thank great. You. Thank you. I, I, I think closing my eyes and actually visualizing myself down there helped. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah, here I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have my props. I don't have my, like, I point to cabinets and things. And, yeah. I point to that. The I love it. I love yeah, the on. show. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so thank much, you so Frank. Much. As oh, always, thank you. such a pleasure. So much fun. And we can't wait to come back another day. Excellent. Hang around and shop around and chat. Oh, yes. Awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you both so much for having us on again. And it, it's always a blast. Uh, time always goes so fast. And I feel like by the time we're wrapping up that we're just like, yeah. getting <laughs> into it. So I know. It's like, we need a 10-part yeah. series. All right. Can we, like, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, let's uh, do a couple hours more and we'll finally cover everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yay. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> that was that was Frank. Yeah, that was awesome. And mm-hmm. and that reading he did of me, it is posted. Oh, it's yeah. on our Patreon. So if you want to hear what Frank had to say to me in that little reading. Oh, man, you're going to want to hear what Frank had to say to Bethany <laughs> in that reading. <laughs> check it out on our Patreon. Um, yeah, check it out on our Patreon. I would say uh, Patreon slash Paranormal Putas. Uh, and just for as little as a dollar, you can uh, be a poot. Patreon. <laughs> uh, oh, bro, that's got to be our next button or something. <laughs> I'm a Patreon. Uh, so, hey, maybe join and maybe it'll inspire yeah. us to make you a Patreon button. Yes! The more we get, the closer we'll get to making those. Awesome. We have a new goal. <laughs> Anyways, we hope you enjoyed <laughs> this episode, uh, our second sit down with frank yeah man uh i mean even though it was a good time and you got red to filth no i'm kidding Ah! (laughs) we still gotta wipe it down let's do Take a big, deep breath in. Release that mother suck out. Yes. You cleansed. Hey, I liked it. Thanks. (laughs) It feels good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, big sis. Um, And we hope you come back again. (laughs) I don't know what to say. We are so off right now. I think it makes for a fun time. We hope you enjoyed this hot ass mess brought to you by Paranormal Putas. <laughs> Paranormal Putas had a little tea establishment for you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but for real, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we hope you go check out uh, Kiri Arcanum, House of Curiosities. By the way, it is the holiday season and they have an awesome new hat that I think that oh I need. Oh my God, yes. I saw that <laughs> post Santa today. Yes. I would have to go get it. Uh, so anyways, yes. Shop logo. <laughs> per usual. I'm Bethany. And I'm Leah. And we're signing up with Chubasitos. 
from these potitos. to the sky <laughs> we got problems <laughs> <laughs>